0: Welcome back to another Sound Truth interview. I'm your host, Adam Miller, and today I am incredibly privileged to be joined by Guy Waters, who is the author of a great new book called The Sabbath as Rest and Hope for the People of God. It's a part of the short studies in biblical theology. And I have to say, I'm really grateful for Crossway putting these books together because they provide us the opportunity to have these very important conversations here with you, our listeners. It's a privilege to have a a scholar, a teacher, a pastor, somebody who understands this topic in a very personal way to help us discuss it, and a a subject that is very close to my own heart and my own search for spiritual discipline. So, Guy, thank you so much for being a part of the many voices for that one message. Adam, thank you for having me.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: Now, I mentioned you are a pastor. You're a theologian, a scholar, I would say. Uh, Obviously, the idea of Sabbath as rest and hope for uh, the people of God is a topic that would be something that would resonate with you because, I mean, you're, you're in that field. But why, for any of our listeners, is this a subject that they should be encouraged
1: by or aware of? Great question. I'd say in the first place, this is something that's not for professionals. It's something for all Christians, and it's something that God has built into the way that he's designed us to function well as human beings. We need rest, and we live in a restless world, and we could talk easily for 30 minutes about all the symptoms of living in a restless world and what that does in in life and culture, and this is a great opportunity to go back to God's wisdom, something he's implanted at the creation, not just for Christians, but for all human beings, and something that points us not only to our need as human beings, but points us to the purpose for which we were made, which is to worship and enjoy fellowship with God forever. Hmm. Well, I hope that you've set aside
0: all of your other appointments for today. In fact, uh, scratch that, I hope that you don't have any appointments for the rest of the week, because I'm going to keep you online here to talk as long as I possibly can, because I do think that this is a very important subject. I think that this is probably one of the most important subjects, because it's so overlooked within our Christian circles. Uh, I, I would presume that of all of the spiritual disciplines, that rest is the one that's probably most attractive. It has the least amount of effort and work and 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 sort of discipline associated with it, and yet it's the one we maybe assume just happens organically, so we don't give any of our time or
1: attention to it. I think you're right, and I think there are there are a number of misconceptions about what that rest involves. You know, do we just sit in a chair and stare at a wall for twenty four hours? Short answer: No. God has has given us something thankfully very productive to do spiritually refreshing so it may seem paradoxical but we are active and yet in that activity of worship and fellowship we find rest for our soul and even for our bodies again that's part of the wisdom in the sabbath that god has has built into it not something we'd figure out on our own but something that god has revealed to us and uh, i think it's worth stressing as well to your point earlier adam that this is a a lost art as it were but if you go back just a hundred years in church history this was a common possession Mm -hmm. of christians i'm presbyterian but it's not just for presbyterians baptists methodists anglicans across the board would have recognized the things we're about to talk through over the next few minutes yeah, I think there's something happened
0: in that time period that put Sabbath, and in particular Sabbath, not the idea of rest in particular, but this idea of Sabbath at odds with grace, this idea of like freedom that we have. Uh, why would we have a restriction for something that's so good in our lives? Why do we have to force what is already something we want?
1: It's, odd. it's an odd little sort of conflict, isn't it? It is, and <clears throat> you even see in the the Ten Commandments, not the first time the Sabbath is mentioned, but an important time the Sabbath is mentioned, just the form of that command, remember the Sabbath. Why would God tell us to remember it? Because he knows we're prone to forget. We get caught up in the busyness of the other six days. There are a lot of competing concerns. Of course, the devil doesn't want Christians worshiping God one day out of seven. So we have to make a point of dedicating time and energy to set that day aside, it's just not going to happen on its own. Mm.
0: So, explain to us, what is the Sabbath? I mean, obviously you've written the book on the subject, but uh, give us a quite, uh, an easier answer to understand in in condensed detail, what is the Sabbath and, and why is it important even as New Testament
1: believers? Great question. Uh, if, If your listeners are saying Sabbath, that doesn't even sound like an English word. It's because it's not. It's a Hebrew word that's come into English, and it's a word that means rest. And we first encounter that idea in the opening chapters of Genesis, Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And the first one to take a Sabbath rest was not Adam and Eve. It was God. He works six days, and then the seventh day, he rests from his labors of the other six days. He declares that day holy, and he blesses it. And that language, as you encounter it in the Hebrew, as you read on in the Old Testament, that's language that comes up again and again in the worship of God's people, priests and Levites so that's telling us something about that day it's not only a day to put aside something what we're doing the other six days it's a day to take up something which is the worship of god and god is telling us something very important we're his image bearers he's made us to work that's one way we image god god is a working god but that's not the highest purpose for us as image bearers highest purpose is that we would come into the presence of God, enjoy fellowship with him, and worship him. And God wants us to know that's where he designed us to go. He wants us to remember that every week so that we never lose sight of the fact that the grind of the six days, as important as that is, is not ultimate. There's something greater, and that's Mm -hmm. worship.
0: Now I grew up in a in a background that emphasized the importance of Sunday being a holy day. We never called it the Sabbath for whatever reason, uh, but it was a holy day that we were so, supposed to set aside for God, but our concept of of treating that as a holy day was always restrictive. It really didn't imply any of the positive or the the helpful, the restful ideas that are central to the idea of Sabbath. Um, But I'm I'm assuming that many of our listeners probably have a similar background, that they have either a negative idea of Sabbath, or they have this uh, this restrictive one that seems very legalistic,
1: and therefore they, they kind of have a little bit of a pushback on the subject. I think you're right, and that's something that, in fact, we meet in the Scripture itself, Jesus confronting the Pharisees. Now, Jesus never overturns the Sabbath, never denies the Sabbath, but he's confronting the legalism of the Pharisees who are adding man-made rules to what God has given. And of course, the, the germ of truth in what the Pharisees were doing is that God does want us to lay aside certain things so that we would be free to worship him. But they they went astray in two ways. One is then piling on rule after rule after rule mostly don'ts, restrictions, making the day a burden. And that's what Jesus says. you've, You've made this day a burden, and that's not what God designed it to be. But forgetting that there's a greater end to laying aside things, and that's taking up worship, fellowship, opportunity to show mercy to folk in need, particularly fellow believers, the enjoyment of fellowship. All of that is really the heart of the day and that's what was completely lost in the mindset of the Pharisees and That pharisaical mindset, I think we kid ourselves if we say oh that'll never happen to me It happens throughout the history of the church. We're not immune to it And if we're going to take the day seriously as we ought We need to remember Jesus's words to the Pharisees. We need to remember to keep the day with the Spirit of Jesus not the spirit of the Pharisees. Mm. I,
0: I like how you pointed that out. That there's a sense in the one of the themes that we've been studying in our in our study this year in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, is a central message from Jesus: deny yourself and take up your cross. And the Sabbath is a little bit of both of those, isn't it? It's a denial of self, but not in the restrictive sort of way that the Pharisees had made it a denial of self. And it is a taking up of the cross as well, as we see Jesus in Luke 6, the next story, he heals somebody on the Sabbath. There's a sense that what we're doing is actually a a call to take up our
1: cross and advance the kingdom of God in some way. Well, that's right. And on the Sabbath, this is the day... We believe when God is meeting with us and he is calling sinners to faith in Jesus Christ, he's building up his people together. Uh, There's great kingdom work that's going on on that day. Now, I'm not saying kingdom work doesn't happen the other six days of the week. Of course it does. But when God says, here is one day when I pledge to be particularly at work, We want to take him up on that and we want to give ourselves fully to it. And yes, that will mean saying no to any number of things. But when we say yes to God, we're going to find the blessing that he promises if we take him up on it. Hmm. That's the whole idea of taking up your cross
0: daily. Uh, It's not just on the Sabbath day, but this uh, day that we can always be advancing the kingdom of God. Uh, But also, tied into this, in Luke's gospel, he's also writing the book of Acts. It gives us a great transition into this thought that we as Christians don't actually worship on the Jewish Sabbath. Uh, That was uh, Saturday. Why are we worshiping on Sundays? And how is that? That's a big theme, isn't it, in Luke's writing, both uh, Luke's Gospel and the Book of Acts that we see that transition
1: taking place? Great point. Absolutely, yes. And a couple of observations just to stage this. One is that the creation, God says, work six days and rest the seventh. We're remembering God's work of creation. But then if you look at the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy, God says, there's something else I want you to remember. I want you to remember my work of creation, but I also want you to remember redemption, that you were slaves in Egypt, I've brought you out of bondage, I've given you an inheritance, and the Sabbath wonderfully is the experience, the refreshing experience of freedom and inheritance in Christ. Now, moving into the New Testament, of course, the great work of redemption to which the Exodus pointed is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When was Christ raised from the dead? Well, the New Testament is speaks with one voice on the first day of the week. So, no surprise, we get into Acts, and we also see this in the letter. Christians are gathering. They're gathering for worship, just as uh, Israel did in synagogues week to week. When did that happen? On the first day of the week. So the apostles are gathering Christians to worship God weekly on the first day of the week. Now here's another connection. Creation and redemption, but what is redemption according to the New Testament? It is new creation. If anyone be in Christ, he is new creation. So we are remembering not only the work of creation, but the work of new creation in Jesus Christ. That's why God moved that day from the last day of the week to the first day of the week. The command stays the same one day in seven, but the days changed to recognize what God has done in Jesus. I think that's where we get a little bit of pushback from people who
0: say, uh, well, the Sabbath is the only command not in the New Testament. Of all the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath is the only one that's not repeated. I hear that time and time again, but it is implied, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, and I think when you cast your net as widely as we ought to be casting your net, you will see that commandment. Surface in the text of Scripture. So Paul says, almost by the by, on the first day of the week when you gather in 1 Corinthians 16. I mean, it's just assumed the church is gathering and gathering for what? Well, worship on the first day of the week. Paul comes to Troas. He's in a hurry to get to Jerusalem, Acts chapter 20, but he waits several days. Why would you wait several days if you're in a hurry to get to Jerusalem? Well, because it would be on the first day of the week that he gathers the church to meet. So that tells you there's something special about this day confirmed in Revelation chapter one. When does John see Jesus? He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And just that phrase, the Lord's day, he, he just drops it. It tells you there was one day that was special and set apart. What day would that have been other than the first day of the week? So what the apostles are doing by their teaching and by their practice, they're guiding the church to observe this day as reserved and set apart to God, the the counterpart to the last day of the week under the old covenant. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, how many of the restrictions of the Sabbath in the Old Testament do we carry over to the New Testament? Because it seems like we could fall into this trap where we're adding things that were certainly ceremonial and important in the Old Testament, but aren't necessarily the same being applied to our, our Sabbath day on the Lord's Day. Well, that's
1: right. So, you have to, in reading the Old Testament, to work through that distinction there are there are certain commands or aspects of the commandment that are moral and carry over throughout the ages and there are others that are unique to israel that that are ceremonial so for instance the uh, execution of the man who gathered sticks on the sabbath in numbers nobody's arguing that we ought to gather and fall out and execute somebody who's breaking the Sabbath. That's unique to Israel. That's something that was typological. So that's a, a more obvious example. But I think that is an example that you have to exercise care in just pulling something out of the Old Testament and saying, oh, we do exactly that in the New Testament today. I think when you step back and you look at the New Testament, you see really two things. God's people are devoting that day for worship and fellowship, and that means they've made the decision to set that day apart from the other six days of the week. So if somebody is saying, well,
0: you know, all of the restrictions are gone. We're living in a period of grace. Uh, Therefore, uh, this whole intensive to make the Sabbath day, keep it holy, uh, I can worship God anywhere. I can worship God on the mountaintop. I can worship God alone in my bed with my eyes closed and snoring a little bit. Uh, Why why do we actually need to make an effort, a conscientious effort of actually gathering together with other believers and making a
1: special day of our Sunday? Well, I'd say to, to the, the first point you raised, yes, God can be worshiped anywhere in the world. And there's a sense in which all of life is to be lived in worship and devotion to God. So yay and amen to that. The problem is if you stop there, you're losing sight of the call in across scripture, all the New Testament to gather together with the people of God at stated times to worship him in word, in praise, in prayer, in sacrament. And God has done this not to burden us, but to bless us. I mean, that's stated as much in Genesis chapter two. He, He has put his blessing on this day. So our heart's desire is to be with God and to receive his blessing. Our heart's desire is to be with God's people and to enjoy their fellowship. So duty and desire come together wonderfully. And eternity is going to consist of being in the presence of God, worshiping him in company with saints and angels from across the ages. So this is a dress rehearsal for what we're going to be doing for ages and ages. And that ought to be something we thrill thrilled to do.
0: Um, I think that something that's really important about this is that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, right? The, mm-hmm. the most important component here is, is when Jesus is talking about the Sabbath day, he talks about what David did wrong, you know, Hosea 6.6, 6, God desires mercy rather than sacrifice, all of these things. He is, it, the Sabbath is not the, the pre, pre-ultimate point right but that also means that there's some implication there that you and I need
1: a sabbath in some way that's right so on the one hand the sabbath is not the end it's the means to the end uh, it just a a literal strict soulless observance of the sabbath would would do no spiritual good to anyone but we don't disregard the sabbath but if we approach it in, in the spirit that God has called us to approach it, we find that it uh, brings the blessing that God has pledged by his spirit and by his grace. So it's with that mindset that we step into it. And yes, it, it is a command. But as with all of God's commands, this is the way we enter into his blessing and enjoy the goodness that he's laid up for us in Christ. Hmm.
0: Anyone who knows me would probably describe me as a workaholic. I said, no, that was my dad. I'm fine. I don't have that problem. But uh, uh, the truth be told, I I did not understand the spiritual discipline or or Sabbath or rest until I was like late into my 20s. I always felt like I needed to be doing more to advance the kingdom of God. Ministry was so important. It was all work, work, work. Uh, When I understood, you know, rest and I started actually getting away and going camping, for instance, to actually spiritually rest and get away and be alone with God, I started to discover how valuable it actually is. There's a lot that we can do to advance the kingdom of God and we can work 60, 70 hours a week to do that, but we can also really hurt ourselves in the process. God knows that we physically, spiritually,
1: and emotionally need rest that's exactly right we we will uh, burn ourselves out if we don't work the way god has designed us to work and there's something important about our work when when god pulls us out of work each week that's an act of faith there will always be more to do than we have time to do and we've got to lay it down and we've got to trust it to god and Lo and behold, we get back to the office or the study or wherever it is we work on Monday morning and we find the world did not fall apart, we haven't been fired, we're still able to pick up what we left off, you know, God is someone we can trust with our work and it's a it's a humbling reminder that i'm not really as important and necessary as i may sometimes convince myself that i am that i can lay this down and the world is not going to fall to pieces Mm. and that's a good reminder about the nature of my god it's a good reminder about who i am
0: yeah, it's a false gospel that we present to the world when we're we're we're, we're so busy, uh, like uh, like uh, Martha, we're so busy all the time that we end up presenting a gospel that seems to be held together by bubble gum and paper clips, as opposed to resting and realizing that the real source, the real the real joy that we present to the world is that Christ is our rest; He is our Sabbath.
1: That's exactly right. That our ultimate reliance is not on our works but on his works he's the one who's earned the blessing and even when we do the things God says to do to enjoy the blessing we're not earning a thing we're on, this is we're only taking God up at his word to receive his blessing in his way but Christ is the one who has earned it it is all of grace freely given freely bestowed we easily lose sight of that day to day. I lose sight of that. We all lose sight of that. And this is a good reminder. God is gracious. We are receiving. Christ has won it. And that's a good thing for us to remember. And it's a good thing for us to put on display to those around us who are watching.
0: Yeah, this is a subject that I I still just, I struggle with because the idea of rest is so beyond uh, my go and get it mentality, but it's something I need to learn and I, I struggle with it. And yet, uh, what I have also learned is the things that I often do to rest are, are not really quite restful. You know, uh, I think we end up... Um, uh, numbing ourselves to rest. We need a stimulants in some way to rest, whether it's television, whether it's loud noise, whether it's a job to be done, mowing the lawn, for instance, washing the dishes. That's not really capturing the spiritual rest that
1: that Christ is talking about. Well, that's right. and And I think that's part of the wisdom in God having us to rest together, not in solitude that part of the enjoyment and refreshment of rest comes in the fellowship of believers. And one great way that we can devote that day between times of worship is the pursuit of times of fellowship. It can be in meals, it can be in Bible studies. If there are older members of the congregation who are in nursing homes, go and visit with them, read scripture to them, pray with them, just talk with them, be with them. Uh, there there are lots of good things we can do that will serve others and bring refreshment to us, but the theme here is that um, much of this is done with other Christians. Now, I'm not saying, of course, there aren't times and necessary times on the day when we ought to be praying and meditating and uh, spending time with the Lord, but uh, we shouldn't say that the whole of the day is to be uh, lived out in solitude. That That's not true either. So, we, we want to have that time where we can approach God privately, one-on-one, but we don't want to neglect the gathering with God's people in worship and in fellowship. There's mm-hmm. great blessing there.
0: You mentioned before at the beginning of our conversation that we live in a chaotic world, where we're living in a world that is restless, mm-hmm. and in that we have a message that is about rest. It is in stark contrast to the world that we're living in. But how do we recognize that? How do we differentiate those messages that we receive on a daily basis from the world and from the Word of God to rest in a world that does not even
1: comprehend what real rest truly is? Well, I think you, you've put your finger on the challenge, and I think we, we have to remember just in, in just the way you were saying, we, we have two competing narratives. Here, one is is the world's narrative Uh, this is who we are this is what it means to flourish as a human being and this is where it's all going and ecclesiastes tells us exactly where that gets us it's vanity and then there's the narrative that emerges out of scripture this is who god is this is who we are this is what it means to flourish as an image bearer and this is where we're going as human beings so step one is to remember I can't hold the two together. I've got to take God at His Word, I've got to believe Him and live by His Word, and then gather with like-minded believers so that we can pursue this calling together. That's going to be the very first step in trying to carve out some order in all the chaos that surrounds us.
0: For any of our listeners who struggle with this idea, uh, maybe their struggle is, I I have so many things to do on six days a week when it comes to Sunday. The last thing I can do is give more time to gathering together with other people, worshiping. I've got to rest, and that's not restful for me. So what would you say to that?
1: Well, I was once wisely advised that observing the Sabbath does not start first thing Sunday morning. Mm. It starts first thing Monday morning. So you're ordering your time those six days with a view to i'm going to get to sunday and this is going to be a day that i'm looking forward to for refreshment rest and worship god has said six days you shall do your work that means god has given me enough time six days to do everything he's called me to do and if it's not enough time either i'm doing more than i need to be doing or I'm not using my time well, or both. So I think the first step is let's, let's sit, down, sit down and give an honest appraisal. How am I using the six days that God has given me? Am I using them the way that he wants me to? And when I start putting that in order, I think that's gonna make Sunday look a lot different.
0: There's an interesting correlation between Sabbath and tithing. And to the same effect that both of them are Old Testament and a lot of people have a hard time bringing them into the New Testament, but there is this significant connection between the two that symbolizes we ought to be giving God the first fruits and trusting God and resting in God to provide us, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That there is a, a sense that that ought to be the priority and the rest ought to follow suit.
1: Well, that's a a great point. When we give generously, sacrificially, voluntarily, we're declaring that God is Lord of our pocketbooks. And that's a countercultural narrative. And when we, that's a very frightening thing to to hand over that sum and uh, we're putting it in the Lord's hands. But we learn over time oh, he, he is eminently trustworthy. And the Sabbath would be the counterpart in time. God is Lord of our pocketbook. He's Lord of our calendar. We're not master of our calendar. We're not master of anything. And when we trust our time to God, again, that can be a scary thing it's to start. But we find, oh, God is, is more than trustworthy. I can commit to him my time. And I will see those promises he has made to me realized uh, in my life. But i got to take him at his word. Hmm. And for any of the quote-unquote
0: Marthas, maybe, that are listening, Mm -hmm. uh, that they're they're there on Sunday every single week. They haven't missed a day. They haven't missed a single Sunday school lesson, a single sermon from their pastor. uh, But they don't feel that sense of rest that we're talking about. And and there's a a sort of disconnect, a dissonance that's happening there. What, What sort of wisdom or advice do you have for that individual?
1: well it's i can resonate with that myself and i think a lot of christians can resonate with that you know there there's a lot of activity um involved in what we do on sunday and it may not feel restful at the time but i think a couple of things to bear in mind one is don't discount the cumulative effect that over weeks and months and years You know god is building us up he's strengthening us we can look back and we can point to specific sermons or specific interactions with believers or a hymn that struck us in just the right way and if we hadn't been there we would have missed out on that so the the moment is not always the best measure of trying to answer the question is this restful or is this doing what it's supposed to Uh, sometimes we've got to take the long view. And I think looking back, we'll see that, yes, God has been very much at work and active. I think as well, I'm a very task-oriented person, and I look for boxes to check, and then I move on when they're checked. And there's a danger in bringing that mentality to anything God calls us to do, much less worship and the Sabbath. And that can very easily fall into Phariseeism at that point, thinking that if I just if I'm in my seat, I check the box, all all is done. And we need to remember we we are unworthy servants. We are here to receive. We are resting on God, looking to His blessing, and we ought to bring that spirit into worship. That we ought to be praying. God bless this hour. Do something that You've promised to do. And let this not be something that's formal or mechanical or rote. Um, We constantly have to be coming back to that.
0: I mentioned this before at the beginning of our conversation, but of all the sort of spiritual disciplines, the ways in which God has laid out for us are things that are good for us, that are fruitful for us, that are beneficial for us. It seems like Sabbath and rest is the most accessible, and yet the one that is often most neglected. Um, and I I don't even understand in my own heart that restlessness, why this is so difficult to actually wrap my mind around, the need for Sabbath, the need for rest, when it is right there presented on this open platter that I can just appreciate and enjoy, but there's this something
1: inside of us. I think there's some of our listeners probably feeling the same thing. Well, that's right, and uh, again, we're not getting much help in the world around us where we're seeing some of the fallout from abandoning any sense of rest much less spiritual rest but you're not really hearing voices in the world saying let's go back to scripture and see if we can sort this out from the beginning so th- that's why we need to go back to the word of god and everything in the christian life needs to be rooted and grounded in the word of god it's not an easy task to do but that's that's what we have to do all the more so in the world in which we live
0: giving ourselves time in community, time in fellowship, and time even just to sit with the Word of God and and meditate on it and process the Word of God. As a pastor, as a counselor, I can tell you that would solve so many of the problems that I deal with in a counseling one-on-one basis. Uh, if, if you just understood this discipline and what Christ is offering us in the Sabbath, it would
1: rectify a lot of our problems, wouldn't it? I think so. Just the the, the the ministry that takes place, you as a pastor knows know this, what the Holy Spirit does with the preached word that we never intend from the pulpit, ministering in, in the hearts and lives of believers, the conversations that take place right after church or over the lunch table, Christian to Christian, uh, sharpening one another, helping one another, equipping one another, challenging one another, that kind of ministry is just critical for addressing the very things that you're describing. Uh, And what a wonderful way for the body of Christ to come together and be the body of Christ. And, you know, all of that can be unleashed uh, through the Sabbath. Mm.
0: It's such an important subject and one that uh, for the past dozen years or so has been a very prominent one that I have been chasing after, still feeling like I can't quite wrap my mind around such a beautiful gift that God has given to us, but such a valuable gift all the same. Could I ask you as a as a pastor yourself, would you pray over our listeners and in particular your readers who, who are struggling with this issue as I've been struggling with this issue and just knowing the comfort and the grace that God has given to us in this mm-hmm. this teaching on the Sabbath?
1: Let, let's pray then. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you have made us and designed us to worship you and to enjoy the blessedness of communion with the living God. And we thank you all the more that though we have in Adam fallen into sin and ourselves rebelled against you by nature, you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live, die, and rise again for sinners that we might be reconciled to you, counted your friends, brought into your family, and have everlasting access to you in Christ and by the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the gift and the blessing of the Sabbath. We pray that you would give us clarity as we study the scripture and that our beliefs and our practice would be rooted in scripture alone. We pray as we wrestle through these things, that you would give us the clarity that we seek and need. We pray that you would give us the grace to be faithful, to take you up on your word, uh, to lay down what you've called us to lay down and uh, to take up what you've called us to take up. And we pray that we might uh, experience some of that blessing that you have pledged that comes in worship and in fellowship. And we pray that we would know that more and more and we pray in everything that you would be preparing us as pilgrims on the way this world is not our home our citizenship is in heaven for that everlasting rest that you have prepared for us in jesus christ give us foretastes of that feast to come week to week until christ comes for us or we are brought to him whichever should come first and we ask all of this in His name, Amen.
0: Amen. Uh, thank you so much for that prayer. Uh, for any of our listeners, I just encourage you: if you if you find yourself skipping through the prayers or, or not tuning out, go back and re-listen to that prayer. That really encapsulates everything that we've been talking about, and this whole idea of rest. And uh, let just just let that prayer wash over you. I really. Uh, That's such a powerful thing to have and a reminder of this gift that we have from Christ. Uh, We've been talking with Dr. Guy Waters about his book. It's called The Sabbath as Rest and Hope for the People of God. It's part of the short study in biblical theology from Crossway. It's a really great resource and one that you should get a copy of yourself. This is a topic that has meant a lot to me And uh, so I'm always looking out for the good resources that will help me understand it as well as communicate it to others. And I want to endorse this book and tell you, you need to get a copy of this book. If you have any concern or interest in understanding Sabbath and rest, this is the book you need to get a copy of. Uh, Dr. Waters, thank you again so much for your time, uh, for this book, but also for your your willingness to explain and articulate the importance of the gospel that is hidden in Christ as our Sabbath rest. Thank you. It's been a delight to be with you. I've really enjoyed.